All right, we're going to uh, open things up with prayer this morning. Uh, I'm going to give you a time to confess. We've, I've kind of been doing this the last few weeks. There, w- there will be a, a period of silence in which you can just kind of confess and speak to God about some of the things you want to get off your chest. And then we'll have a time where we lift up prayer requests, okay? So let's pray. God, we are uh, privileged to be in this place this morning. Uh, when we have temperatures of 105, 104, 106, 103, no rain, no rain, no rain, and it's miserable outside, we're grateful that we can come into this place where the AC has been on all week, the humidity has been low, uh, and we are comfortable in cushiony chairs. I realize that there are places in the world this morning where people are gathering in secret, where people are gathering in conditions that are uh, dangerous and maybe downright deadly, where uh, exposing their faith in Jesus could actually cost them their lives. And yet, I know that they are gathering this morning because they also see the time of gathering as an honor, a privilege, a necessity in their life as disciples of Jesus. And so I pray that even though I'm thankful for the comforts of this place, that that we can walk around and and say out loud that we love Jesus uh, and not not have any repercussions, I pray that that comfort would not make us complacent, uh, lazy, that we would see what a privilege and honor it is to be in this place this morning. We know that you're among us, so I'm not going to ask you to be here, but I do want to ask that we would recognize your presence this morning, that we would feel your presence. And as we open the scriptures and talk about them, that we begin to see that sometimes you approach us in ways that don't make us very comfortable. And I pray that in those moments when we recognize your presence, and yet we're squirming in our seats where we are, that we would hold fast to gain hold of the blessing that you want to give to us in that moment. May we be changed today as we sing, as we pray, as we give tithes and offerings. May the Holy Spirit change our hearts so that we walk out those doors a different people than the ones who came in. God, we know that the first step to becoming a changed people really starts with being honest with ourselves and with you about the ways in which we have missed the mark. Sin, that word in the Bible which means uh, like an archer shooting at the target and has missed the bullseye. We have missed the bullseye this week. We've tried, we've aimed, we've wanted to to hit that mark, but, man, our aim is off sometimes. Sometimes we get lazy. And so we've done things, we've left things undone, we've harmed ourselves, we've harmed our neighbor, and we want to say we're sorry, Lord. And so I'm just going to open the floor for just a moment for everyone to speak to you in their own hearts, to confess the things that they want to get off their chest. We know that Even in our sin, you are the safest place to go because you bring relief, healing, 
forgiveness. And so listen to our confessions now as we speak to you in our hearts and minds. God, we recall the scriptures that tell us that you loved us so much that you sent your Son to walk among us, to teach us, to show us, to volunteer his very life on the cross. And you did all of this while we were yet sinners. Before the thought even occurred to us that we might go to you and confess, you were acting on our behalf. And so because of that, we know and we believe that you have already pronounced your love and willingness to forgive over us. And so we accept that in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe we are forgiven this morning. God, the next thing that we want to do, just to make sure that our hearts are prepared and fertile places for change this morning is to tell you some of our burdens because there's nothing that any of us can do that can add a single hour to our lives and yet we worry about it as though we can and so if if our hearts are going to be empty vessels for you to fill up we need to get rid of some of that junk some of that worry some of that anxiety some of that fear that that we need to do x y and z and Man, even sitting in this place this morning, we've just got to get out of here and, and, and get to work on some of those things. And yet, this is the place that you've called us to be this morning. And so we're going to call out to you names of people, loved ones, family members, situations, those things which are sitting heavy on our hearts this morning. We're just going to lift that and give them to you and let you take that burden so that we are free to receive what you have for us. Listen, Lord, now, and in your mercy, hear our prayers. Jolie Ann Tatum. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The McCord family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Donna Kilgore. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. James Morton. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Jessica and Tammy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 Wilma Heidemeyer. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 James and Charles A. Estridge. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 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 God, we give you these and any unspoken requests. Thank you for hearing them. Thank you for relieving us from the worry which changes nothing. We trust that you've got it all in hand, that you are working even as we are here worshiping. You are working on their behalf, on our behalf, and we thank you for this. Bless our time together and may you be honored above all else. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So interesting to me uh, when, when, you know, the band, we don't necessarily get together and discuss what songs they're going to choose and what am I going to preach. If we were more professional, we probably would do something like that. But it always amazes me how uh, the, the songs that y'all pick just tend to lend themselves to what we're going to talk about. And so this idea of being still uh, and know that God is God, um, falls right in line with what we're going to read today. We're looking at Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses 22 through 33. Famous story. Uh, listen to it with new and fresh ears in light of being still and knowing that God is God. Immediately, He made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. This is Jesus after he fed the 5,000, okay? Uh, After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. A word from God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Now again, we did not we did not plan this, Ken. You picked that video. I just happened to I saw my stole hanging in the office and I thought, you know, I really should bring that out for communion. And then you said, well, good, because we're watching a video on uh, attire. There you go. Uh, I don't wear a robe or an alb, although I could if you wanted me to. I'm not very academic, I guess. I don't know. Hey, so I was at uh, Dollar General the other day, and I, I noticed that Dollar General is bringing out certain items for the season. Any guess what it is? Not yet, not, not yet. quite yet. We're not there yet, Mike. What's the next? Halloween. Halloween. Bringing out Halloween stuff. And I was thinking, wait a minute. Uh, it's August. It's 105 outside. I'm not feeling very, you know, pumpkin spice latte-ish right now. Uh, but they bring it out. And then I noticed that the Spirit Halloween store, where they were in the old Office Depot, they're getting ready to, they got their big banner up, and I, I think they're probably in there working and getting all their Halloween gear. Uh, what scares you? Talking of Halloween, what scares you? Ghosts? Monsters? Vampires? Tax season? That people believe in it. Well, there's something that scares you, Mary. We're all scared of something, right? Uh, I, if, it's not, if it's not ghosts and monsters, uh, uh, pumpkin patch scary is pretty scary. Yeah. Tax season, I think, is kind of scary for some people. But, you know, serious things, too, like getting a call from the doctor that, uh, hey, the news isn't good, and uh, we, need to, we need to have a sit-down chat. Or, uh, you know, we all face death. We think about death. Our loved ones pass on, and we know that, that someday that, that time is going to come for us. And, and so some of those things are kind of scary. And, and when you read the Scriptures, particularly the Gospels, it seems that Jesus is... Um, quite often, really, saying to people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know, in this passage, do not be afraid. It is I, or literally, I, I am. Uh, in fact, I, I came across a, a thing. I don't know if it's true or not. I think it was just a gimmick. But somebody said that the Bible says, fear not, or some version of that, 365 times, one for each day of the year. And I thought, if that's true, that's pretty, that's pretty fancy. I don't know that that's true or not. But it says it a lot of times. And so because of this, just doing kind of a, a cursory reading of Scripture, I tend to think of God as the one who calms our fears and, and possibly the enemy, the devil, as the one who brings the fear, the one who causes fear to rise up in us while God is saying, be not afraid. I'm right here with you. But what happens, what happens when Jesus himself is the source of our fear? What do we do then? You've probably heard the phrase, God winks, right, Bila? God winks. We talked about God winks on Monday at Breakfast Club. Uh, some people call them God moments or thin places. It's those places where God kind of shows up in the day and you recognize, holy cow, God is, is nearby. Uh, you sense the presence of God in some kind of special way. And so if you, if you ask somebody, did you see any God winks 
uh, this week, you might hear something like, oh, yes, I, I, there was this moment I was out in a field and a beautiful butterfly came and landed on my hand and I sensed the presence of God nearby or I saw this brilliant sunset this week. The clouds were just in the perfect place and as the sun was going down, there were so many colors, God was nearby. Or maybe you got that a phone call that you have landed your dream job or got into the school that you wanted to go to, and you would, go, you would say, that was a God moment. That, that was a God wink. God was speaking to me in that moment and was nearby. When the weather cools off, not in August when it's 105, but when we get closer to that time, a good pumpkin spice latte could potentially be a God wink. Well, in our story today, the disciples encountered a Godwink in the midst of a storm on the sea as the wind and the waves were battering against the boat. And this Godwink came in the form of a ghostly apparition floating upon the waters, moving toward them, In my mind, when I picture this, I feel like I'm watching a Stephen King movie, like The Fog or something. Like this is a horror uh, scene that we're watching here. But it turns out the ghost wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus, and they were absolutely terrified of him. This is not the kind of God wink that I imagine when I say, did you have any God winks this week? I don't expect someone to say, yeah, this ghost came toward me floating on the water, and it was Jesus. But but when you look at this story, it seems to me that the action of Jesus was very, very intentional. Here's why I say this. Jesus, A, could have just gotten in the boat with them. Instead of sending them off and going up on the mountainside to pray, he could have said, let's all go together. That's choice number A. Letter A. Letter B, Jesus could have said, I'll just meet you on the other side, right? If he can walk on water, he can also go, you know, and and be on the mountaintop and then on the other side when they get there. That, That could have happened. If he really, really wanted to demonstrate his power over nature, which I think is part of what's going on here, because in the Old Testament, we're told that God treads upon the waves of the sea. The sea represents chaos, and all that's wrong in the world. And we see God, this symbolism of God, kind of treading down the head of chaos time and time again. And so if Jesus wanted to demonstrate His power and, and, and wanted to link, make a connection in their minds between Jesus and God, well, He could have just done this in the middle of the day, right? But Jesus chooses to walk on the water in the middle of the night Somewhere between 3 and 6, it's the fourth watch of the night. So it's very dark outside. And he chooses to do this not just at night when you can't see clearly, but he's doing this as a storm is blowing wind and waves against the boat. I mean, who wouldn't be scared of that? I would be scared of that. It would be weird enough seeing Jesus walk toward you in the middle of the day, but at night in those conditions... Stephen King all the way, right? You all remember his kids laying in bed, lights out, and you look over and your closet door is ajar and your 
positive, somebody, so I see a figure in my closet, somebody's there. And when you can't take it anymore, you turn on the light and you find out, oh, it's my winter coat that my mom hung in my closet because tomorrow's supposed to be cold and I need that coat to stay warm. Right? The thing that you feared turned out to be something you actually need, but your mind is going crazy, playing tricks on you. I mean, what happens when you find out that the scariest moments in your life are actually the places where God is the closest? Right? We, we tend to associate things that we're afraid of with bad things, and we want to get away from them. But what if the source of your fear is actually a God wink? Y'all read uh, Chronicles of Narnia? Anybody read that series? Show of hands. Okay, so seven books in the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis wrote this, and it loosely tells a story, kind of from the beginning to the end, but there's one book in the middle, and I don't know which number it is, but it, it seems like a filler episode. It really doesn't have anything to do with the storyline as a whole. It's called A Horse and His Boy, if you've read this one. It's a story about this kid named Shasta, and Shasta's life is just a mess. He grew up without parents. There was this crabby fisherman that took care of him, but really didn't want to take care of him, but just kind of felt responsible, and so he fed him minimally and just treated him harshly, and Shasta one day decides he's going to run away, and he doesn't know where he's running to or where he's going to go, but as he's going on this journey with a friend, uh, these lions keep attacking him, and, and it's just, just the whole thing. The whole thing is, is a mess. And toward the end of the book, Shasta gets into this place where he's all alone, and it's all quiet, and it's all dark, and he senses that something or someone is nearby. And, of course, he's very, very afraid. And he's just, he's just kind of had it. And so I just want to read a little bit of this story to you. Now, this is kind of picking up. Uh, Shasta senses that, that something or someone is close by. This is where we'll pick it up. Who are you, he said, barely above a whisper. One who has waited long for you to speak, said the thing. Its voice was not loud, but very large and deep. Are you, are you a giant, asked Shasta. You might call me a giant, said the large voice, but I'm not like the creatures you call giants. I can't see you at all, said Shasta, after staring very hard. Then, for even an even more terrible idea had come into his head, he said, almost in a scream, you're not, not something dead, are you? Oh, please, please do go away. What harm have I ever done you? Oh, I am the unluckiest person in the whole world. Once more, he felt the warm breath of the thing on his hand and face. There, it said, that is not the breath of a ghost. Tell me your sorrows. Shasta was a little reassured by the breath, so he told how he had never known his real father or mother and been brought up sternly by the fishermen. And then he told the story of his escape and how they were chased by lions and forced to swim for their lives and all of their dangers in Tashban 
and about his night among the tombs and how the beasts howled at him out of the desert. And he told about the heat and thirst of their desert journey and how they were almost at their goal when another lion chased them and wounded Erebus. And also how very long it was since they had had anything to eat. I do not call you unfortunate, said the large voice. Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions, said Shasta? There was only one lion, said the voice. What on earth do you mean? I've just told you that there were at least two lions the first night, and there was only one, but he was swift of foot. How do you know? I was the lion. And as Shasta gaped with open mouth and said nothing, the voice continued, I was the lion who forced you to join with Erebus. I was the cat who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you as you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so that you should reach King Loon in time. I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you. Then it was you who wounded Erebus. It was I. But what for? Child, said the voice, I am telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. Who are you, asked Shasta. Myself, said the voice, very deep and low so that the earth shook. And again, myself, loud and clear and gay. And then the third time, myself, whispered so softly you could hardly hear it. And yet it seemed to come from all around you as if the leaves rustled with it. Shasta was no longer afraid that the voice belonged to something that would eat him, nor that it was the voice of a ghost. But a new and different sort of trembling came over him, yet he felt glad too. Isn't that awesome? It is my favorite book in the whole series and has nothing to do with the storyline. It is a separate book with a separate story. You find out that this lion, his name is Aslan, he represents the Christ figure in the Chronicles of Narnia. You find out that why Aslan is very busy with Narnia and all the characters of Narnia, there's this little orphan boy who knows nothing of any of that. And this whole time, Aslan, the lion, has been watching over him and protecting him and scaring him into the right direction so that he's not harmed in other worse ways. The covers of the book. I love the covers of the book. Let me see this legend. Hey, brothers, more slides. I'm trying to preach a sermon here. Do you see a book cover right after the quotes? It's in there. Okay. Okay, so this is one... One cover, the horse and his boy, you see this kid on horseback with his friend Erebus on horseback, and behind them, this lion is chasing them. And when you don't know the storyline, you look at this and go, get out of there quick, this lion's chasing you. Let's see another picture. This is an illustration from inside the book. This ferocious lion scaring the wits out of these children and the horses. And you come to find in this pivotal moment 
that what is perceived as ferocious and terrible and something to flee and get away from is actually Christ himself, Aslan the lion. Folks, when we are scared of things, we, we have two natural responses. Fight or flight, right? Fight or flight. But if God is the one who is in your midst and causing fear to well up inside you because you're interpreting the presence of God in your life in a, in a way that's fearful, neither one of those options is good. The best option is to be still and know that I am God, which is what 11 of the 12 disciples did. Peter, however, God bless him. Peter chose the wrong option, I think. First of all, Peter mimics the words of Satan. You remember when Jesus went into the wilderness and he's tempted in the desert, and what did Satan say to him? If you are who you say you are, turn this bread, this stone into bread. If you are who you say you are, jump off of this pinnacle, and, and the angels will rise. If you are who you say you are, blah, 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 blah. What does Peter say? If you are who you say you are, let me see proof of it. Have me come out there and do what you're doing. And then what does Peter do? He steps out of the safety of the boat and away from his brothers, the ones that had been called into community with him. Folks, let me, see, let me tell you what I see in this image. All the folks this morning who claim to be followers of Jesus but do not need the safety of the church. It's just me and Jesus. I can do it on my own. They're like Peter's out there walking on the waves in the water. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to sink. They're going to sink. This is the place where we are to be still and know that God is God. And when we say, if you really are who you say you are, then I should be able to get out and do what you are doing and it didn't work out so well for Peter. What if Peter would have just stayed in the boat like his brothers and remained calm? What if we remained calm in the face of our fears? What if we were able to discern whether the threat that we are facing is a real threat or actually the voice of the one who loves us so much and we recognize that voice that says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of me. It is me. I am. I am the one who created you. I am the one who knows you through and through. What if we remained calm and trusted that God would reveal himself to us in ways that actually increases our faith? And if we were to let these situations, those situations that make you squirm, instead of fighting or flighting, just stay still and let God be God in that moment, what if that helped us gain a greater understanding of who God is and how God meets us in the world? Folks, it's so interesting because this is the second time that we've had a boat and storm scenario in the Gospel of Matthew. You know the first one? Jesus said, let's get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. Jesus goes and lays down and falls asleep, and a storm whips up, and they're afraid. 
and they wake him up, they shake him. Are you crazy, man? Wake up, we're dying. And Jesus says, oh, stop it. And the winds and the waves cease. And he says, why did you have such little faith? And it's said that the disciples in that moment, they asked the question, who is this man? Who is this guy that has power over the wind and the waves? What do they say this time? This time, Jesus gets into the boat. He says to Peter, why did you have little faith? And this time, they bow down and they worship him. And they proclaim, you have to be the Son of God. Folks, this time, when they stood in the face of their fears and realized that their fears were unfounded, that it was actually Christ in their midst, this leads them beyond who is this man to you are the Son of God and worthy of worship. That is called spiritual growth. That's called spiritual growth. That's how maturity comes as we as disciples move forward through our fear, we gain a greater understanding of who God is. Here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to see that from this story and others, last week we talked about Joseph, uh, Jacob wrestling with God, right? Our encounters with God are not always soft and fluffy. They're not always butterflies landing on your hand. They're not always pumpkin spice lattes. Sometimes God comes in the storm. Heck, sometimes God is the storm. Sometimes God is the ferocious lion that is chasing you for a reason. Sometimes God is the ghost or what you thought was a ghost. And salvation in this moment, this type of salvation, is learning to face our fears to find we had nothing to fear to begin with. When you seek the presence of God, when you seek the face of God, do you know what you're asking for? Do you understand what you might find if He actually shows up? Would you recognize it if it scared the living hoo-hoo out of you? These are questions that we have to ask ourselves. These are questions we have to face if we do want to grow as disciples. If we want to become more mature in our faith, we've got to move past this idea that God is soft and fluffy all the time. We have to realize sometimes God showing up like Shasta, okay, says, he realized this, this is not a voice that belongs to something that would eat him or the voice of a ghost, but a new and different sort of trembling came over him, right? Holy cow, I'm in the presence of the living God. That's enough to shake. That's enough for you to tremble at. My prayer for us as Grace Church is that we avoid... Uh, knee-jerk reactions of fight or flight, right? E even as a community, we are facing things right now, financial issues, uh, attendance issues. We're facing some things that seem pretty scary or can seem very scary. And I want us to be still 
and to know that God is God. To move through the fear. My prayer is that we stay in the boat together and that we ride these things out. And if it's individuals that are touched by fear, that, man, we rally around those people, that we are a community for them. When we face something as a community, we stay in the boat together. I don't want us to be Peter. If you really are who you say you are, prove it to me. Let me do some magic tricks too. Let Jesus be Jesus. Just stay in the boat. However it is, whatever it appears like, when God comes near, when we have these God-wink moments, what I want you to know is that Jesus is with us. That we are not alone. And this alone should bring hope and joy and relief from our fears. That's my prayer for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's form a big chain of love through this place. And will you receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you're uniquely empowered. And now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. Folks, you're going to make some mistakes this week. Your fear is going to drive you to do some things you wish you wouldn't have done, but I need you to know that even in those times, God doesn't love you any less. There's nothing you can perform or do to make God love you anymore because God's love for us is not even based on our performance. It's built into who God is and who God made us to be so that when God looks at us by His amazing grace, He says, y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And if you can leave here believing that, it will change everything this week. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace.